0: What are you sipping on? Em, I did not notice <laughs> does about this. does this change things? This is
1: hilarious. <laughs> oh my god, this drink is back again. All the sips. <laughs> All the sips for sip talk. Oh my gosh, I love it.
0: Hello. Hi. How are you doing, Haley?
1: I am doing so, so good. Em, um, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. What are you sipping on today? Okay, today I have a mocktail. Mm. It's, um, I have Wilfred's uh, Aperol Spritz, the AF kind, of course, um, and a sparkling water, some blueberries, and a lime. What are you sipping on?
0: You got fancy. I'm oh. so, oh my god, it's so pretty too. My- yeah, I didn't realize it wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking coffee. It's 7.30 p.m. I'm drinking a
1: coffee. I just- and is It is a full calf? Yes.
0: I can oh drink my coffee
1: before bed and I'm fine. And you go to sleep. Yeah. hundred Sometimes it doesn't affect people. It doesn't really affect me as much either. I don't know why that is. It affects me if I don't drink it.
0: <laughs> I get like a <laughs> caffeine headache, but I can drink it and be. I can drink it. I do drink it all day. I love an evening coffee.
1: Mm, so nice. Me too. Especially if I'm out. With Jonas and we're out and about doing something, it always feels nice to grab a coffee in the evening. Usually we'll do like half-calf though.
0: Oh, no. I'm like full thing or nothing.
1: Give me all the caffeine. All the energy for our podcast today, which is a great one. So (laughs) exciting. It's our first official like full episode. Yeah.
0: So we're going to be doing – Yeah. We're going to be doing each of our stories for the next two episodes.
1: Yes, and we're starting with yours today.
0: We are, but first, the way that we're going to start every episode is we're both going to share a sober win from our week.
1: Um, Do you want to go first? Sure. So, okay. Yesterday, I was uh, walking Louie. Your dog. Yes, Louie's my Mm -hmm. dog. And um, I passed this flyer that said it was a pop-up shop that had zero-proof cocktails, Um, And for anyone that doesn't know, zero approved means doesn't have alcohol. So today I went by and it was so much fun. I actually don't think I've done something like that in Vancouver in all of my alcohol free um, life. So like the past couple of years. Yeah. And I met other alcohol free individuals in the community. And we're talking about, you know, seeing what the future holds for for this community in Vancouver, which was super awesome. So that was a sober win because if I wasn't sober, I wouldn't have um, I wouldn't have gone. So yeah,
0: I love how serendipitous it was that you walked past that flyer.
1: Yeah, it was so fun, and the fact that I never walk in that area either. Like there's this one path that I usually avoid. I don't know why, and I I didn't yesterday. So yes, totally serendipitous. What about you? What's your um, sober win? My,
0: my sober <laughs> one is kind of silly and you know what it is already. <laughs> and I posted about it a lot this week. I was on my stories about it a lot. I did a grid post. <laughs> it deserved a spot on the grid. I got my hair done last week and um, it came out a lot darker than I wanted it to or that I intended when I went there um, and I had a very big dramatic meltdown about it afterwards (laughs) to my mom. And I was absolutely beside myself for days. Um, But I realized after that if that had happened in my drinking days, I would have been like, oh my God, someone get me a bottle of wine. I'm drowning my sorrows. Like the fact that anything bad happening to me or just like any bad day or stressful day was and a justification in my mind, like, well, obviously, I deserve a drink. And that was combined with a very stressful um, week at work. So I realized kind of later that like, it didn't even dawn on me of like, I wish I could drink about this. Like, it wasn't even a thought. So
1: that's my That's amazing. Win. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> okay, first and foremost, M's hair looks so good in my opinion. Like, and it's still quite blonde. It looks it looks blonde to me, like it does look blonde, but I'm also not with you in person yet.
0: Yet. We're we're but less than notice. a week away from the in-person meeting and I'm so excited.
1: Exciting so excited. <laughs> yes, and even more exciting today we get to share or you get to share your story and, and um, fill us all in. So, do you want to do you want to dive in and get get started? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, great. So, I'm going to start by asking you, what was childhood like for little M?
0: Oh, you know what? I had a really good childhood. I my mom is amazing. Um, she my mom got sober at 21, and this is a big part of my story. Um, yeah. She got sober at 21. And when, um, and I have two older sisters who I'm super close with. So when my parents met, um, my mom had been sober since 21. My dad was a bit more recently sober. Uh, I don't know how, how long he had, but a few years under his belt when they met. So they were both sober. They're both like came from AA or my mom came from AA. Um, and so when I was, seven, my dad or seven or eight, my dad relapsed. And so my parents separated from there. Um, and so my dad was kind of absent for them. He was still around, but he was pretty absent for a lot of our, our lives because of that. Um, so I had like, even though obviously that aspect was hard, my mom and me and my two sisters were such this like tight knit, unit and it felt really special like it felt like our little like our all girls house people would come over and be like it feels like a bachelorette pad in here um Uh so even though like uh, you know there was obviously the challenging aspects with the stuff with my dad but I really do I like look
1: back very fondly on my childhood for sure that is so cute (laughs) so did you you guys did you call yourselves something special like my sister and my mom and I were the three musketeers but
0: there cute. were four of you. So yeah. No, a- now I'm sad that we didn't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can still we make one now.
0: Yeah. I'll, I am mean, gonna work on it. I'll get back to you, but we didn't have a
1: special name. <laughs> I love the bachelorette pad thing as well. That's so, so cute. So, yeah. okay. So childhood sounds like it was pretty, pretty great. Yeah. Overall, you There's know, my like
0: experience they're... of it anyway. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so, how did drinking introduce itself, or alcohol introduce itself into your life? How old were you?
0: Yeah, it's really interesting because our uh, my mom, um, not a big rules person, not a strict mom, but the one thing that she was very strict on was the no drinking, like in high school thing. And it was something that, like, none of my sisters and I ever, ever went against that. We just had such, like, a healthy respect for, like, we had witnessed our, you know, my parents' marriage fall apart because of it. And I think we did, we really respected that boundary. So my, both of my older sisters didn't drink until they went away to school, like, onto university and college, um, And we're all very close in age, just basically like a year apart, each of us. So when I was in my last year of high school, my sister was in her first year at college. So when I would go to visit her, my mom would be like, okay, you can, like, you're kind of there, so you can have a drink. So it was when I was 17 in my last year of high school um, that I started kind of drinking and partying.
1: Wow. That, first and foremost, the closeness between you and your sisters is amazing. So it must have been really nice to have that support growing up and through high school as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what was high school like? Was, the, was there a drinking culture? Were there people around you partying and you were making a conscious effort, you know, not to be drinking? Was that difficult? Um It wasn't. Like,
0: Like, I was in – I had, like, a kind of small, tight-knit group of girlfriends. And, like, we weren't in the party group at school. Um, Yeah, it it wasn't – like, some of my friends, as we got older, some of my girlfriends kind of started drinking. But it was something that was just always very known about me that I wasn't ever going to. But we weren't at any, like, crazy parties where it was happening. So it wasn't something that had to – be like a conscious thing for me or that like I re- felt left out in or anything and I felt honestly really proud about it at that time in my life because I had my two older sisters and my my oldest sister in particular she was in the big party group in high school and it was like she was like the only one who didn't drink and because she was my big sister I, I was like I thought it was cool <laughs> because of that so I genuinely like I think I was maybe more bummed I didn't get more opportunities. <laughs> To be like, no, I don't drink. Um genuinely. So it wasn't it wasn't hard for me in high school not to at all.
1: Wow, that is amazing. So <laughs> what was your first experience like with alcohol? The first
0: time I ever drank, I only had genuinely one or two drinks because it had been so ingrained in me from my mom that like, we have alcoholic genes in our family, be very careful. And it was very don't drink to get drunk only like drink one drink two, see how you feel. And so when I was first doing it, I I really like took that to heart. And it wasn't until so the first probably couple times I drank, I maybe just kind of felt like a slight buzz, and it wasn't until the first time. Then, like as it went on, and I start to feel, how, I started to feel like how fun it felt. <laughs> then that's when I started to be like, okay. And then and then I was really partying and drinking a lot, but I, I was pretty careful about it, like the first few times I want to say, um,
1: yeah. <laughs> So you eased yourself into it, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and that, and were those experiences all at your sister's university? Did they incorporate themselves into your high school so, days in the twelfth grade?
0: Yeah. So the first experiences were visiting my sister at school, but then I started to party like at home with like my high school friends. Um, and I remember the very first time I ever got really drunk. Cause I had been like tipsy, but I hadn't felt like like I hadn't gotten wasted yet. Um, and it was like the winter time, so probably a few months after I had started drinking. And I remember becoming really aware that I was like wasted, like falling over a level, but like laughing about it. And I had fun, but then I woke up the next morning. And I remember it so vividly. It was my first time ever getting drunk. And I laid in bed and like was f- – like I couldn't even move. I was so anxious. I,
1: like, really? I'm-
0: the first time I ever got drunk. Yeah. Wow. That was always – and like you're, like as you know, that, that the anxiety that drinking caused me is a big reason why I quit drinking. But it was around from the very first time I got drunk. And looking back on it, I find it really interesting because – like, I, th- I now know that alcohol causes anxiety, which I didn't know back then. And I think a lot of people don't actually know unless you kind of seek that information out. But also, at the time, I think because of my family history, I think I also felt just so much shame of like, I've done something bad by getting drunk.
1: You know, right? So I think when it was it's a
0: combination.
1: Yeah. And when you involve family as well, there's always a different dynamic um, of making, wanting to make your family proud of you versus like friends, you know, like if it involves your family and what your family thinks of you personally. I mean, I I just, I just want to be my best for my family, especially. So yeah.
0: and it was a funny story too, that first night that I was really drunk. I was at my friend's house at like a party. I say a party. I think there was like four of us there drinking in her basement. Um, and, and my sister was going to pick me up, but it was snowing a lot. That's why I remember that it was winter. So I'm wasted. And I get this text from my sister saying, we're on our way. <laughs> and I was like, we? And – because it was snowing, my mom didn't want my sister to, dri- to drive in the snow. So they both came and I'm like so drunk. And now my mom's picking me up and like, she didn't say anything. I'm sure she could tell, but she never said mm-hmm. anything. But that was that. And the next morning I was like, is she mad
1: at me? Like it was, yeah, not a fun morning. Mm-hmm. And did your sister ever, uh, react in any sort of way? Was she like, okay with it? Or did she show any signs of disappointment?
0: She was like, your eyes are so bloodshot. <laughs> <kind> of
1: it. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're hungover. I can, yeah. See it. I can see it in your eyes. Oh my gosh. <gasps> yeah, those memories. Do they, what do you think back about them? Do they still kind of give you this like, uh, feeling like kind of like a, oh, man, like, Brings you back to the feeling of that morning, and you I think. How feeling
0: then? That one is so dis. Like, if I really imagine it, I can feel it. But looking mm-hmm. back on it, I I think my more my later in life mornings, I can maybe look back on and still be like, oh god. But that one, like, it, it was so long ago, and not, there was nothing actually to cringe about. If that makes sense. Like, there are lots mm-hmm. of other things that happen later that I'm like, oh Jesus, I can still look back and get embarrassed all over again but yeah that one I, I just kind of like at at this point I can look back and it, like be like yeah that was that was my first experience but it doesn't make me feel a certain type of way to remember it really
1: that's uh that's interesting I feel like I um when I think back about things that like my mom if my mom were to see me hungover if she would like see me intoxicated I just the thought of it makes me like my stomach go oh man you know especially yeah. when you're so young uh, but okay U- university um tell me about that like what was that like your first year
0: yeah I okay I drank a lot it like it was it was I went to like my school's pretty well known for being a big big party school um and yeah, I honestly – I just – I partied a lot. I blacked out a lot. I was always anxious about it. Um, I think something that did make me, my university experience a lot different was I was in like a long-term relationship the whole four years. Like I wasn't single for any of it, um, um, which I think really changed it because obviously I was like – I wasn't out like sleeping around drunkenly or anything like that, but um, so there were less regrets like in that regard, but I did just, I did, I blacked out a lot for sure and, and, and partied a lot. Like I was never, if other people were going out drinking, I was going to be going out with them. Like I,
1: I, it wasn't often that I could like sit out on mm-hmm. a night out. Um, oh my gosh. And also just the, the b- whole blacking out of it all too. It's just, Just that in itself, not knowing what you did at all is so terrifying.
0: It is. It's so terrifying. I lived with all male roommates. I lived in a house of seven guys in university. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't think I've ever told you that. It was a crazy party house. It was a crazy experience.
1: Did you ever feel like you had to keep up with them? Because I feel like guys always drank more, generally speaking. I mean, I would always try to level up with them. But did you ever feel like you were trying to keep up with shots or –
0: I think I was always sloppy. (laughs) Like I I was always really wasted. I remember one time like the girls in university, like the group of girls we lived – not lived with but like in residence in first year were like, who's the sloppiest one on our floor? And my name definitely came up in that conversation.
1: Yeah. No way. I was also – you know that game um, that went around around that time, like university where you like – how does it go? Something fuck, something fuck, something da 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 da. I oh don't my gosh, I have it. to remember this. But I was always sloppy fuck. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not about like the act of. It was just a game, and yeah. that's what it was called. Aww. But that's too funny. That's hilarious. The- okay, <laughs> uh, and also sloppy, like no, you know what sorry.
0: a brutal word.
1: <laughs> it, re- <laughs> it really is. <laughs> It totally is sloppy. It's like, you know, people don't like the word moist. Well, I'd have to say sloppy is doesn't sound. That's a really positive.
0: good point and a really good comparison. Yeah, right. They both sound w-
1: anyways. OK, <laughs> back, back to back to university. OK, so um, did you notice a progression throughout uh, university of your drinking changing or maybe your behaviors when you were drunk or was there a uh you know, a moment where you felt like, um, you know, maybe that you had an issue that you wanted to address with your drinking?
0: Um, I I don't want to say rock
1: bottom, but like a bottom of some
0: kind. Yeah. I, that definitely came later after university, like definitely in university. I think in my gut, I knew it for a long time. Like I knew that I was, I drank way too much. I liked drinking too much. Like I liked it more than I should. Um, and that, I I blacked out a lot. Um, But I think that, like, I think that that is like university culture. Like, it's like been like university is binge drinking and it's so normalized that I think it's really easy to just do and just kind of like write it off as like your crazy school party years. So I think it wasn't really until like, later in my like mid to later 20s that i i was really realizing like okay I, I this should be addressed
1: at some point right like as soon as you don't have an excuse you know yeah you're out of school you're out of that party world and you're actually an adult doing adult things or or you know trying to in your 20s um in your early 20s um mm. what what do you feel like or at what point, at what age, at what, um, marker did things really start to change for you where you were like, okay, no, I actually do need to do something about this. Did it happen? Was there a certain point where you just said, this is enough? Um,
0: yeah, I think there were, there were a few different markers for sure. Um, I did just hit a point where I said enough is enough, but it took like a few times of like kind of realizing it and then slipping back into night into denial before um, I hit the point where I was actually really ready to do something about it. Um, but I moved to Australia when I was 24 and I, I did a year there. And that's when like I – my drinking got so out of hand that year because – I was, I I just, like, I had been working, I graduated, I worked in my industry for two years, and then, like, broke up with my ex, and I was single, and I was just like, I need to go travel, otherwise, like, this is the time to do it. So, I didn't work in my industry while I was there, I got, like, I went with my sister, we bartended, and just, we were just, like, in bars working, in bars drinking, um, and Because I was on, like, a holiday, it was a year-long holiday, I was living there, but I was very much like, I'm on holiday, and it turned into just, like, justification to drink basically every day, Um, and that was the year where I definitely had a few things where I like had some of my worst kind of drunken regrets, like mistakes being made. (laughs) And towards the end of my year, I actually had one day about halfway through the year where – nothing had happened the night before, but I just woke up and I felt disgusted by how much I had drank. I was like, this is outrageous. And I was so hungover. And for the first time ever, I looked up like a sober blog and I I made a sweeping statement. I was like, I'm taking, it was August. I'm like, I'm taking this month off of drinking. I'm not going to drink for the whole month. And I was reading up on sobriety. I had never gotten that far ever. Um, And then I drank that day. Didn't take the break. Um, And then- How old were you when
1: you were- in Australia, I
0: was I was twenty four, but that was like that was the month that I turned twenty five. Okay. Um. So then, so then I I carried on, and towards the end of the year, I definitely was I I literally kept being like I'm basically a functioning alcoholic right now, <laughs> even though I don't label myself an alcoholic. I don't really identify with that label, but like I I was like this is kind of what's happening. I'm drinking all the time, and I was very like I've got to reel this in when I get home it it mm-hmm. felt like this justified thing because I was on this overseas experience and I was partying and and yeah, so now also knowing that alcohol is an addictive substance, <laughs> which I feel like is not acknowledged a whole lot generally. Um, I think that, that really ramped it up to the point where if you're drinking every day for a year, like I wasn't literally drinking every day, but most, most days I was drinking. Um, so I think that that year really progressed to th- things for me, I would say.
1: Were you, Like the group that you were hanging out with, did everybody generally party? Were you the one that was like the catalyst to, okay, let's go out and and party? Or was it kind of a collective group decision with whomever you were spending time with?
0: bit of both, I would say. I lived in a few different places. I wasn't in one place the whole time, um, but I worked in bars, and you you work, and then you get off work and you drink with people. That is kind of like the the culture. Um, but I definitely, oftentimes, was the one. Like definitely, other people working there were like, back at it again. <laughs> like you know,
1: <laughs> it's like. 24 and you're yeah oh my gosh that age I feel like 24 was such a pivotal age for myself as really? well I, I, uh, maybe pivotal the wrong word I would say more of a peak yeah I, I mean you're mid-20s you're a woman trying to figure out what she wants to do and if you're in another country and exploring that country and working in that environment um you know It'd be very difficult not to, mm. I think, in that situation being that young. But um, uh, so you were there for a year. And what happened when you came back? Did you stay in that um, industry? Did you go back to the industry that you were working in prior to?
0: Yeah, I went definitely by the end of that year, I was done with bartending. I was I, I wasn't going to keep doing it. I went back to to my industry that I was working in before and. Um, and I think it's funny, I think I, I thought I was going to reel my drinking in more when I got home and I definitely did to an extent. Like I, I, I wasn't away on vacation working in a bar, so it wasn't like I wasn't going to keep. I think naturally I, I did scale it back for sure, but not on the level that I wanted to. Um, I think back to when I got home, I started seeing this guy and he wasn't really a big drinker. Um, like at Hmm. all. And I always felt like judged by him about my drinking. Um, and I remember one time we went to, we went to a a hockey game and this was like, um, like a month after I got back home, we went and I felt self-conscious drinking too much around him, but I wanted to keep drinking around him. And so I had like two glasses of wine at the game, I think. And I got up to go to the bathroom, and I got another wine and chugged it in the bathroom because I wanted to keep drinking, but, like, I didn't want to feel like he was judging me. And, like, now looking back on that, I'm kind of like, oh, my God. But at the time, <laughs> I, I thought it was, like, funny. Like, I definitely laughed to my friends about it the next day. Like, oh, my God, guess what I did last night. But looking back, I'm like,
1: <laughs> really? <laughs> It's like hiding, hiding, drinking, you know, people that's saying something, but at the same time, did this, did this, um, person not drink at all? Was he not drinking at the game at all? And had he made comments to you before that
0: yeah, he made, made you feel comments. Um, he, he made, he made comments for sure that made me feel self-conscious about it. Um, but yeah, so that's, that kind of just, that kind of kept going. I was definitely kind of carrying on with binge drinking on the weekends and, like, drinking too much. Um, and then I guess at the end of that year, I blacked out at my work Christmas party, which was absolutely my worst nightmare. That felt like a rock bottom for me at the time, for sure. Um, because it's one thing when I'm overseas bartending, but when I'm, like – when it comes to work, people, I it just – I was absolutely – a wreck about it the whole weekend and having to go back and face people on Monday. To my knowledge, nothing happened, but I couldn't remember. So you just don't know. Um, So that made me decide
1: to do Dry January afterwards. So had you gone back to the Sober blog or the Sober world online, um, whether that be Instagram or another blog, um, when you jumped into Dry January or did you hear about Dry January from somewhere?
0: You know what? Actually, no, the whole time I was doing it, I didn't read anything on it at all. But my mom had bought the book The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober by Catherine Gray. And I started to read a bit of it before I did Dry January. Um, that might have been shortly after I got back from Australia, because I did come home with the intent of like I need to get this under control, but I didn't finish the book at the time. Like I like couldn't get through it. Um, so, but when I did dry January, it was definitely out of just like so much like shame and panic about the fact that I had blacked out at the work party, but I treated it very much as just like a month and it was like drinking became my prize at the end of it. I found it very hard. Um, and I stayed up until midnight, February 1st and and I poured a wine at 1159 and drank it at midnight on the dot.
1: Um, to cel- to celebrate the sobriety.
0: Yeah, yeah. What, it, it was, was my that reward. the
1: longest. Was that the longest you had gone in your <sighs> up until that point? Yeah,
0: you know what I in my ten years of drinking before I quit, I had never, I had never um, taken any sort of break.
1: Hmm. So, like any that must any, have felt. any long break intentionally. Interesting. Did you feel? I mean, obviously, you, you poured a glass to celebrate, but. Did you feel a sense of pride that you were able to get through that? Um, for being sure. It was, yeah, that it was so challenging.
0: I remember one thing that really sticks out in my head was I went to a party during that time that was like with a ton of people I didn't know. It was with my, my boyfriend at the time. It was like a going away party for his friends with like a ton of people I didn't know. So it was true. And it was like – it wasn't out at a bar or anything. It was literally like a house party where you're just like mingling, small talk, and that felt like an accomplishment. It was so hard for me at the time, but it it wow. for sure felt like an accomplishment
1: um that I did it. Wow, that's amazing mm. that you that you did that. Oh my gosh, uh because so many people myself included would, you know, spend those first bunch of weeks hibernating.
0: Yeah. Just to like
1: not even be tempted. So the fact that you were able to put yourself in that environment and um and small talk with people uh is is huge. Did uh, you go ahead. Did you like waking up without a hangover?
0: Definitely. That was the yeah. good that was the thing that I did notice was I loved not like I remember leaving that party and being like, that was super exhausting and hard, but I do not have to obsess about anything that just transpired here tonight, and that's so nice
1: what a relief right what a yeah. good feeling yeah. and and the fact that um, you are able to just i don't know if you drove then but you were able to drive home or and and not waste that that mind space of oh no what happened because yeah. that takes up so much so it's much mind space it's
0: rippling it's like so yeah. all consuming yeah
1: yeah oh my gosh okay so you took the month off you drank And then what proceeded to happen after that? Did you come to a point where you went, okay, no, I think I maybe should do this longer?
0: Yeah. For longer. So it was that same year that I got sober, funny enough, because I came away from dry January feeling like, well, that proved that I can't be sober because that was hard and I didn't have that much fun. Like every weekend I remember feeling so just like depressed, like, oh my God, I have nothing to look forward to. I'm not drinking this weekend. And to be perfectly honest, I I I decided to do dry January. So the guy I was dating at the time was like, "Well, I'll do it with you." And Oh, nice. Yeah, and so he was kind of my accountability buddy, and he kept me accountable. I, I honestly I think if he wasn't doing with it with me, I might have cracked because there were a couple times that I was like, "We could." And he was like, <laughs> "No, we'll feel so good at the end of the month." So honestly, We'll never know if I would have made it through on my own, but um, so I that was January 2020. So the pandemic happened about a month after that midnight wine, um, and then as m- I think most of the world did, there was nothing else to do in lockdown, so I stocked up like buying six bottles of wine at, at a time every time I went to buy booze, and I was just drinking basically every day again once the pandemic happened. I think I was drinking like f- 5 days a week at least.
1: Um wow, were you working remotely during that time? Uh-huh. I was working full time um from home in lockdown. So you're so close to your kitchen, there's a bottle of wine there after work. You're like, "Okay. Yeah. Let's crack yeah, the bottle."
0: You know how I really justified it at the time, and this did feel really valid to me at the time was that I no longer had any separation between work and downtime. Like I was in lockdown in my apartment, and and I wasn't alone. That was one. I was living with my ex, so that was one kind of um, boundary I kept with myself. Was I didn't drink alone, um, but so I didn't. I really had a hard time feeling a shut off from the work day because I w- I was just closing my laptop and walking to the next room, and I had just I had gotten a promotion basically the week we cha- like a week before we changed working from home so I was learning a new job and then everything was changing and it was really stressful and so it felt like at the end of the workday I was like the only thing for me separating out like working hours and non-working hours is to just like have a drink that was how it felt like that's the only way I can turn off my work brain at the end of the day um so I did your I partner really- join you Hmm. Not all the time. Most most of the time, but not all of the time. He wasn't a big drinker in the way that I was. um. So he definitely, like, there were definitely some times that I wanted him to drink with me so that I would feel okay about drinking, and he didn't want one, and then I would have one anyways. So, like, I drank alone, but with someone.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you were drinking alone with somebody, and then the world opened back up. Um, what brought you to the point of this is it for me? I need to cut this out completely. Like, yeah. So I
0: can continued on like, um, in the pandemic drinking pretty much all the time. And my anxiety was getting just like worse and worse progressively about like the next day. Um, and it, it was getting to a point and like, This was a lot of still being kind of locked down and only seeing my sisters. And so I would be drinking only with them and I would still be so anxious the next day. And they would be saying like, you were just with us. Like you have nothing to be stressed about, but I could not shake it. And even on nights when I maybe only had a couple, I still could like, it was getting to the point where no matter how much I drank, I was feeling that way. Um, and so I definitely was starting to feel like I can't take this anymore. I can't stand this feeling anymore. Um, so I started kind of playing with trying to cut back a little bit and drink more in moderation. And then what happened was like late August, early September of that year, I had like one of my closest friends over and the, we were just having some drinks in the backyard. And it was a it was a good night. I, I woke up like I drank too much, but I woke up. Had passed out on my couch, TV on. I had a text on my phone from her, being like, "That was such a lovely night. Thank you so much." Um, but I felt so anxious, and it was just the most crystal clear feeling. I remember it vividly. I was like, "I cannot stand to feel this way anymore." And then I got, I looked up, I started scrolling sober Instagram. I had a conversation with one of my sisters that day, um, and that was just it. And my. Um, my sister's 30th birthday was coming up, so I kind of set that as the end date. Not that I feel now in retrospect that that is how you should do it, but I set that as kind of my end date, um, that that's when I was going to stop drinking after that. and That's what I did. I That was my first day one was after we celebrated our 30th birthday. Um, wow. I had a few day ones within uh, – My first day one was September 24th. My last day one was November 8th. So within that period, I had a few, few tries and then it stuck about, I guess, a month and a half later.
1: Wow. And you're (laughs) sober today. How many days later? Do you count your days?
0: Oh, I can open up my app. Give me one second and I will tell you. I know that I'm, I'm, I just passed 21 months a couple weeks ago. (laughs) 651 days. Woo-hoo. Oh, yesterday was 650. I didn't even realize.
1: That's a good number. Yeah.
0: Congratulations.
1: Thank you. How does it feel today looking back and being able to, you know, reflect on on your relationship with alcohol and coming to a point where you're like, this isn't for me anymore? And d- do you feel empowered? What are some, like, what does it feel like?
0: So empowered. So proud. Proud is a big one for me. I'm so proud of myself because I look back and I'm like, that was such a hard thing to do. I think anyone who gets sober, I think it's so fucking brave. It's a scary thing to do. And so, yeah, I feel really proud of myself about it. And I feel so, like, so grateful when I look back because it was really, 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 really affecting my mental health. And, and my life is so much better because of it, but I, I, it was so hard at first, and I really had trouble wrapping my head around the fact that it wasn't going to feel that hard forever. I remember in early sobriety having conversations with my mom because I got sober in lockdown. I was living alone. Pandemic had happened, um, and, and it, it was a hard time. It was an isolating time. Getting sober is isolating as it is, let alone <laughs> – in a lockdown during pandemic. So I remember I I had regular phone calls with my mom trying to kind of process it all. Um, And I remember on so many occasions, like crying on the phone to her and being like, I'm never going to feel that happy again. Life's never going to feel that fun again. And I remember her being like, Maddie, I promise you, like just you wait, you're going to love it. Like you're going to love it, I promise. And at the time, I genuinely – internally rolled my eyes and was like you just don't get it because it's been so long since you drank (laughs) you don't remember how fun it is (laughs) like you don't know what you're talking about and now I tell her that and I laugh and I'm like you're right so it's mom yeah (laughs) moms
1: moms are always right yeah Mm -hmm. oh my gosh that gave me shivers Mm -hmm. what a moment between you and your mom too yeah And and for your relationship I imagine that has really really brought you to even closer than for you're sure. already were, I'm sure for yeah. sure yeah that's so special to share that connection too
0: it is it really is
1: right. you're close with your super close with your family
0: super right. close and my mom yeah. and also to come back to the beginning that my dad is now seven years sober I don't think I got to say that so he's not drinking anymore either um, that's amazing yeah
1: <laughs> cheers to the, cheers to that cheers to your family and to you thank um, you and living an alcohol-free life—it's it's... the best. My mom was right; she was <laughs> right. <laughs> Meg, Megan knows all.
0: I can't Tim. wait to meet Meg. Yes, yeah, so you're gonna meet her this weekend. So excited.
1: <laughs> um, but <laughs> me too. Me too. I'm so <laughs> excited. So for for um anyone that's listening, um Matt, and um, do you have any advice for anyone that's listening that? wants to maybe you know ditch the drink for good
0: yeah okay I have number one not just advice but reassurance which is kind of just echoing what I just said which is that when you first get sober it totally feels like your life has turned upside down it feels like it's it feels impossible that it's ever gonna feel anything but super hard And just to trust that how early sobriety feels is not reflective of how a sober life feels. Like it gets so much easier. It gets so much better. Um, Like life is so much better on the other side of it if you can just hang in there through the early days. Number two, write write down in detail for yourself your why and write down in detail for yourself how you feel the day after drinking. Because it's so easy to trick ourselves into being like, mm, was I really that bad? I did that so many times being like, was it that bad? Maybe this is like, maybe I don't need to quit. So if you really put it in writing for yourself, I even wrote a note on my phone of all the worst embarrassing drunk moments, the worst mornings after drinking I've ever had, because like it just forces you to acknowledge the truth and not get caught up in the lies your mind is going to tell you. Um and then my wow. third piece of advice, which was really a game changer for me, was that when I quit drinking, I started off in that kind of month and a half that it took me to to make it stick. I started off as identifying as sober curious, which kind of gave me a – felt like a safe space to, to start trying to do it without having to commit to forever to like myself or anyone else. Um, but what would ha- – but I kind of knew deep down that that was for – For it to be forever. Um, But what ended up happening was oftentimes I would get or not just like those few times I would get two maybe three weeks under my belt and then I would drink again. And then that happened a few times. And I had this realization that I'm going to want to drink. So if I'm going to give myself permission to like drink when I really, really want one, I can keep doing this forever and I can stay in this cycle forever. So really acknowledging to myself, like, I need to accept the fact, like, I need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. I need to accept the fact that, like, the like, I'm going to want to drink and I'm going to have to sit in that discomfort and just, like, it will pass. You can survive it. It will pass. It's not going to last forever. Um, and that was super, super important for me. That wow. Is, those that's are my- powerful. <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> so powerful and so wise. And how – what was your – What was the one thing that you really hold um, uh, accountable for remaining sober? Like, What was the one thing where you're like, okay, if I didn't have this, or maybe I'm wording this wrong, was there one thing that helped you remain sober until today? Like one powerful, was it a mindset?
0: Playing the tape forward. Really remembering- Uh remembering how it feels when I drink. Rather than my romanticized fantasy in that moment when I want to drink and imagining how fun it's going to be and how good I'm going to feel, getting honest with myself and being like, follow it through. How are you going to feel after? Um, And that like remembering how I felt on my last day one. Like on the last ever time I drank, the next day I was going out and I, have, I remember so well – on my way there thinking to myself i'm so excited to not drink tonight so that i can wake up tomorrow and not feel this way and like remembering that uh. moment has been like it kept me from drinking for my first like several months i came back to that moment in my head um
1: yeah that's amazing it gives me like it almost gives me chills hearing you say those words really? they really are <laughs> yeah i think it, it, it it'll really help a lot of people and um anyone listening that may be questioning, you know, uh, cause you're such a positive, um, I don't know. You just have such a positive quality to you. And it's Aww. nice to, nice to hear that. Um, thank you. so do you. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Um, well, thank you for, for sharing your story. I feel like we need a part two almost like, <laughs> at, you know, after, after, um, quitting and like the next year or next almost two years of sobriety, we should do like a, a part two.
0: Yeah. Well, every every episode from here on out can be our part two.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll continue chatting about all the all the finer details. Um, but thanks thanks for sharing your story.
0: Yeah. And so now I think you have something to share because something that we're gonna do every episode we decided is leave it off on kind of an inspirational quote or thought pertaining to sobriety, growth, life. And Haley has hers for today leave us off on?
1: Yeah, so mine is one of my favorites. Um, not specifically sobriety, but you can, of course, relate it back to sobriety. Um, it's a Socrates uh, quote, and the it goes, <laughs> the mm-hmm. secret of change is to focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building on the new. So I just really love that. I felt like it it just works in this alcohol alcohol-free lifestyle that we're both living so
0: i love that yes yeah well cheers cheers to that that's the perfect place to leave off on
1: cheers everybody
0: bye
1: bye